Hey there, everyone. Just want to let you know that this week's episode is sponsored by Mindler, the online therapy app. Hey, did you know that mental ill health is one of the most common reasons for sick leave? Support your employees' mental health well-being by offering them access to psychologists and self-help programs through Mindler. And with that, here's the show. HRGrapevine.com. It's the HR Grapevine Podcast. Hi there, everyone. Eric Niewerowski, host of the pod. Thank you for joining me this week. And I just want to let you know that this week's episode deals with grief and loss. So it could be triggering to some or many. And I wanted to dedicate this week's episode to the topic of grief at work. On the back of a report we recently published on My Grapevine Plus, our premium vertical called How Can HR Support Grieving Employees? Now, this is a topic that is very personal to me as I lost my mom earlier this year. And losing a loved one, regardless if it's a parent or a partner or a relative or a friend, is awful. And the grief that comes along with it really doesn't go away. Now, I've been lucky enough to work at a place where I was supported through my loss but I need to acknowledge that many in the working world aren't. And I also need to acknowledge that grief is something that touches all of us in some way, in some form throughout our life. So I wanted to unpack grief and how HR can support employees that have lost someone special to them. And to do that, I'm bringing in Marilyn Devonish. Now, Marilyn contributed to that report that I spoke of, and she is a management consultant and executive coach and a therapist. So Marilyn and I are going to talk about how HR teams are addressing bereavement, what more can be done, almost this concept that grief is one thing and bereavement is another thing. We're also gonna talk about why the conversations around loss, death, and grief are still taboo, especially within work. And then Marilyn is going to share some practical tips when it comes to active listening and talking to employees that are grieving. I'm not going to lie, this is one of the hardest episodes I have ever had to produce, but I'm glad I did. I got a lot out of this conversation. I got a lot out of the grief report. I hope you do the same. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Marilyn. Thank you so much, Eric, for the invitation. My name is Marilyn Devonish. I've been a management consultant since 2003. Very strangely, a remote working specialist. So going into organizations to implement remote, smart and flexible working policy and strategy. And I've also been a coach and therapist for the last, gosh, 22 years now. And I'm an executive coach. So quite a wide range of things, but I do love a bit of variety. So the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast, you recently led some brilliant insights into a long former report we posted on my Grapevine Plus regarding grief. Um, so I lost my mom very recently, suddenly. Uh, uh, it was a January morning. Everything was fine. And then you get that phone call, right? That just absolutely flips your world. So I lost my mom and I was lucky enough to work for a place that supported me in an amazing way. At no point did they ever say, well, when are you going to come back to work? But obviously when someone, when you lose someone so important to you, 
work should not come to mind, right? It should not be a thing. And I think you get that reaction as a product of the organization you work for right now. I know I'm lucky that I had a organization that supported me, not just with the messages of condolences or the flowers they sent. It was saying it was things that they did for me operationally, things like give me extra time off, give me extra sick days. The fact that I could take almost a month off of work and focus in on my family and me rather than work, right? Because at the end of the day, work's not important when you lose your mom or your dad or a partner or a child or anyone that matters to you. So how do HR teams address bereavement with policies? Like what's the core core bereavement policy for most workplaces? Um, first of all, my condolences. So sorry to hear about your mom. And I absolutely, even just that little thing you said about them sending you flowers, that, that in of itself is just absolutely yeah. amazing. That just shows that everyone is thinking about you. And so that that's a, a lovely gesture from the organization. And one of the first things I would say, and this is probably more speaking to the smaller organizations who maybe don't have a legal team or an HR team, is to actually have some kind of policy. The, the thing about bereavement, it's one of those, it's going to sound weird, but it's actually one of those gray areas because legally speaking, it's not, set in stone right you can see some places they would recommend having three to seven days other places the edict is really up to 20 days mm -hmm. so it's one that's not actually set in stone so i'd say having a policy is a good idea something even if it's the starting point because what that then ensures is consistency because let's say you were working in an organization and you happen to have a boss who is fantastic who says eric take the time you need, we've got it handled here, do what you need to do. But in the department next door, if you don't have a policy and that manager is like, well, you've been to the funeral, get back to work. Right. Um, so I'd say consistency is absolutely key as much as you can outlining what things mean, because there are different policies, for example, in terms of if someone is what they call a core, C-O-R-E, a core family member. And right. that can extend to like mother-in-law, for example, father-in-law, that sort of thing. Or if it's more peripheral, because then there are different amounts of time that might be allocated to that. But if none of that is, is laid out and none of that is clear, it then comes down to someone's personal discretion. And now we are then at the mercy almost sometimes of someone's personality and what they think and what they feel and what they believe about bereavement. So I'd say have a policy, yeah. get things written down. And once you've done it, because sometimes it's like, oh, we've done it now, you review it. Now, yeah. Ideally, annually, but at least every three years, go back, revisit, and also sometimes take stats and metrics. What have you been finding? What's been happening? Because that would then maybe be reflected next time you update the policy. Yeah, great. Thank you for that, and especially outlining for SMEs, because at least in the UK, more people work for SMEs than they do for large companies. And uh, if it's one thing I learned, everyone loses a loved one, right? It's like the worst club to be in and everyone at some point joins it. So you said, you know, this is the starting point. What more can be done? And I want to talk a bit outside of the lens of money. Like money obviously is huge. You don't want to lose time off of work, but sometimes you, it just can't, right? So what are some other things that business leaders, along with HR, because it's not just an HR thing, business leaders have to have buy-in. What are some other things that can be done 
around grief and bereavement. And I, I guess some question you have a bereavement policy. That's one thing, right? I think of bereavement as the immediate, right? Should there, what would you think of like a separate grief policy? Because grief doesn't end six days after the funeral. My mom's been gone six months and I miss her more today than I did before. Right. So what do you think about that? Now, it's an interesting one, because one of the things that I often say to my clients about grief, because they will often apologize, go, oh, I'm so sorry, because someone passed away, let's say, a year ago. And I said, well, why are you apologizing? Because grief is one of those strange things. I often describe it like the ocean. If you've ever been hit by a wave out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. I remember we were in Barbados, we're all standing in the water. It was just completely calm me and my sisters and then suddenly out of the blue this wave and it literally knocked us over and threw us up the up the um up the beach yeah. and we were like whoa and so when I think back to that time I was in my 20s I'm now in my 50s but I still remember it like it was yesterday and I feel grief is sometimes like that you can be like okay okay fine I'm getting back into a swing and then suddenly out of nowhere and it could be a smell a song a quote, a saying. And so one of the interesting things about uh, bereavement policy is oftentimes there's an assumption that once the funeral is over, that's it. Yeah. It's actually a wider policy should include things like um, settling of inheritance matters in the estate, mm-hmm. dealing with family and siblings and that sort of thing. And I know that that can sometimes take several years. Yeah. Because if the estate is 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 being contested or, you know, people have fallen out, all of those things, you often need to go meet with the lawyers. You've got to sit down with people. So one of the things I would say, it's fantastic. Let's just say, for example, uh, a company has 10 days mm-hmm. as their policy. You might have used four. Now, in your case, it would be longer. You had to travel. But if someone was based in the same country, they might have used three or four days, five days, six days. It would be really fantastic if you could keep the other days in hand. And if something comes up a, a year or two from now, even waking up and thinking this has hit me like a wave today. Yeah being able then to say, hey, I'm going to take one of those days. And in terms of the organization itself, I think it's not just an organizational thing. I think it's actually a human cultural thing. And I'm going to make a mass generalization and say, generally in the West, we don't necessarily deal with death in a very good way. It's sort of a taboo subject. You don't really want to talk about it. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. Um, And so even that, just holding the space for someone is something an organization can do. It doesn't cost them any money. It just yeah. you have to sit with sometimes what is the discomfort of of the space and time that that takes. Yeah, I really loved. I, uh, I'm, if you don't mind, I'm going to use your wave analogy uh, for the grief, because for me, my analogy was just like, I'll just be walking down the street and I would just get hit by a truck. That's what it feels like. Right. It just comes out of nowhere. And grief is one of those things. It's just so unpredictable. And I'll be frank, and I'm sorry for cursing listeners, but it sucks. It's the worst feeling in the world where you can think you're okay. And then just like you said, a smell, uh, a, a memory, something like that, it just brings you all back. And then it, it, depending on how you're built that day, you can handle it and you can get back to work. But there's also days that you can't handle it, right? And you're just absolutely shredded and again thank you for mentioning the taboo i'd like to talk about that now right um 
in that report that you contributed to, you mentioned how HR teams and again, businesses are starting to break apart the stigma within work around conversations, say around menopause and period leave, um, parental leave, uh, gender identity, right? Those conversations have become a little bit more open in work, which is great. But yet for some reason, we're still afraid to talk about death and grief and bereavement. But that to me seems, uh, frankly, Marilyn, a bit insane because this is something that we all hit, right? We've all lost a loved one. And if you're, if you haven't lost a loved one, you're super lucky, but that luck's going to run out. But yet when it comes to work, we're afraid of it. Why is this taboo still happening around death and work? It's an interesting one. And I, again, I'm going to have to sort of what I call guesstimate and summarize and surmise. Yeah. But I think generally people are afraid of death. Don't You don't know what happens after death. You want, you, you've got, your, you know, people say they had their whole life ahead of them. So there's that thing that something's being taken away. It's been cut short. Uh, you don't want to think about it because everybody kind of knows it's coming. You don't know when, et cetera. So it's just a really odd subject. And even knowing what to say, is a is a challenging one so i just say we keep it very simple my condolences sorry for your loss you have my deepest sympathy those are good starting points because i think people are so nervous sometimes they babble and say well at least you're in a better place and i and they mean well but actually the person receiving that sometimes is very angry because the better place in their mind is right here on earth with them yeah so, so I, and I always say, look, give a bit of leeway on both sides. The person who's lost someone, they're just in a place, they're overwhelmed. The person who is now having to, you know, you see them in the corridor because I've heard stories of you see some people see them coming and someone runs into an office because they just, <gasps> they don't want to have the conversation because they don't. And when you speak to them, they say, well, I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Um, I didn't know what to say. And, and so they feel that it's better just to avoid it. So I think there's just that whole thing thing around and also the whole thing around emotions now back in the day in the 90s and early 2000s emotional intelligence was one of the things I'd run workshops on a lot mm-hmm. nowadays I would say that in terms of holding the space for emotions that's still not necessarily something people are comfortable with in the context of work so let's just say someone starts crying yeah people are like Ugh! there's a bit of a freak out because you sort of don't know what to do and the natural reaction in the context of work is to quickly comfort someone and get them out of it and it's like actually sometimes you've just got to be okay just to just yeah hold the space and it feels uncomfortable um and I, I think that's one of the things that then makes it the whole thing an, an uncomfortable conversation because death is what whereas in the Caribbean, I remember when my dad died, we were all sitting in the funeral parlor and he's laid out with an you know casket open mm-hmm. and the door bursts open. We can hear the reggae bus going past, loads yeah. of music, playing one of my favorite songs, which is really weird because I'm hearing I'm grieving and the song's playing out. So I'm like, oh, I love that tune. Right. And the woman comes in, puts her shopping bags down, looks in the coffin has a good old up and down, picks up the bags, nods to us and walks off. We're like, who was that? No idea. They just come in to pay their last respects. You wouldn't have that sort of, you, you wouldn't have somebody popping off the high street and go into the co-op funeral shop yeah. here. So yeah. we just seem to have a different relationship with it. And it's one that is uncomfortable, scary, understandably. Um, and so it's almost like it's probably easier just not to talk about it. Yeah, it's weird because grief isn't a monolith, right? It's not a one size fits all approach. We all hit it differently. 
in a perfect world, we would always say the right things at the right time, but we don't live in a perfect world, um, especially when it comes around death and loss, because it is so final. But how, Marilyn, how can we change that a little bit within work? Like how can, because yes, someone breaks down and crying and it's a little bit easier now because we're, you know, both advocates for remote work, right? So I can have a, I've had more than in one breakdown, but I'm out. I'm not making anyone else uncomfortable. And I think part of that uncomfortableness is going, we need to get ourselves out of this situation so we can forget about it and get back to work. But it's not like that for the person having the grief. So what are some like steps that we can take that business leaders can take to approaching the topic around grief? Is it that we need to talk about it ahead of it happening? Because grief is one of these things that we don't talk about it until we lose someone, but it's always there. So what would you say, like, how can we get the conversation started? And that's a really, I love that that point, actually, because oftentimes, you know, you go to workshops, we call it, and probably still do, soft skills training, which I actually like, because a lot of the times those trainings were actually the core of what a business needs to function, communication Mm -hmm. skills, creative thinking, critical thinking, etc. Maybe one of the things that comes into the mix is occasionally an organization will do a workshop around grief and grieving. How do you handle it? What are some of the ways that you can hold the space for someone what do you do what can you expect in that grieving cycle because even the grieving cycle sometimes when you talk to people about it like wow I even know there there was a cycle and it's like a revelation because suddenly they go oh yeah I recognize the denial you just can't believe it and man yeah I'm feeling angry and then I'm numb and and so even that having people because when you recognize something you kind of go oh it's normal for me to feel this way and then pointing out just because we said it's a grief cycle and it's a curve it doesn't mean that once you've gone past that bit that it's all over it's like it's not like a quiz where you Mm -hmm. collect points and you go whoa I've got my 100 points I'm done bingo right yeah (laughs) absolutely so it's that whole thing maybe that's one of the things that can can happen and also making it clear in terms of like coming back to the policy that people know it's there that there's an open door if you did want to go in and speak to HR. Now, that's a lot of pressure to put on HR, for example, because now what you've got to do is make sure that your HR team are equipped to be in that space to handle those conversations. And that's almost then tipping into the whole mental health side of things. You know, nowadays, I mean, it's a great initiative, the mental health first aiders, for example, when I'm running those workshops, I will be talking about it from both sides in terms of the organizational side and also the side of the employee or the person on the receiving end. But and like one of the things I always say, look, if you don't know what to say, that can be what you say. I'm so sorry for your loss. I don't know what to say. I I haven't got any words. Yeah. That can be a good starting point, but it's learning. I'd say a key thing is learning to sit with the discomfort of it and learning to sit with the discomfort of another human being if they're not in a place. Because there are times where I want to workshop, I'll be like online and I'll be quiet for six seconds. I can guarantee you somebody will type in the chat. Your microphone's not working. But what I'm doing is I'm just, and I just say, look, that was on purpose. Six seconds is nothing, but it feels like a long time. I'm going to do it now just so people can hear it. I'm just going to count in my head. Feels like a long time. I immediately wanted to say something a second into it, right? Exactly. Very uncomfortable. 
very uncomfortable. And let's just say that someone in your position, you, you've got the, the emotions coming up. So you might be going, oh, I don't want to cry in the office. But now it's going to take you 25 seconds to take a breath, to compose yourself, to get your words out. The other person's got to be comfortable enough to sit in that space and hold the space for you. And that actually is quite tough if six seconds feels like, ah! Yeah. Um, I think we will leave it at that. I love how you ended it with hold the space because hold the space means so much more than holding the job open for someone while they're away. And I'm grateful when I think of my colleagues who held that space for me for a really long time. And they're still holding the space for me now because some days you just have a day where it just doesn't matter. So Marilyn, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Again, a huge thank you to Marilyn Devonish, therapist, executive coach, and management consultant for a really hard but needed conversation. And for me, my takeaway is how she ended it. Hold the space for your colleagues. Like I said before, holding that space just doesn't mean a job. Holding the job, it means so many other things. You know, I miss my mom every day. The grief does not go away. It doesn't become any easier. But you know what? It is becoming more manageable. I'm also going to include a link to the report, How HR Can Support Grieving Employees. And I'm also going to include a link to Cruise Bereavement, which is that charity I was mentioning that really set me up to handle and manage my grief. Thank you for listening. A big thanks to Marilyn. And I'll speak to you again next week on the HR Grapevine Podcast.